0: You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your tummy is full of turkey and mashed potatoes. It's been a nice four-day break for Thanksgiving, but basketball rolls on in the Sacramento Kings. Their brutal 10-game stretch has come to a close. They end up 4-6. and through that 10 game stretch, 10 and 10 on the season. They go one and two. Over this four-day break, we have a lot to break down and a lot to talk about here as we approach the end of November and the beginning of December on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Kings. This is your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage. If you're looking for highlights, if you're looking for uh, in-depth conversation, analysis, updates, interviews, this is the place to be. If you call yourself a Sacramento Kings fan, and I thank each and every single one of you who have decided to make this your uh, podcast hub home and hub for Sacramento Kings basketball. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here, the quote-unquote local expert on the Locked On Podcast Network, and uh, I'm from Sports 1140 KHDK. That's the flagship radio station of the Sacramento Kings here in the California capital. I work there as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist and reporter, been keeping a close eye on on these three Kings games started off really well with a win in Utah against a full strength jazz team. Utah, a very hard place to play. Then the Kings drop a uh, a classic between the uh, the Kings and the Warriors inside of Oracle Arena in Oakland. Kings falling by one point in an extremely entertaining game, but they are taking on a shorthanded defending champion Warriors team. And then the most disappointing game at all, and it's all about what have you done for me lately with uh, with sports, so I understand the frustration coming into today with a lot of Kings fans as the Kings at home last night, Sunday night, dropped a, uh, a, a very winnable game against the Utah Jazz inside the Golden 1 Center, and the Jazz were without their above and beyond leading scorer. In Donovan Mitchell, so we're going to talk about all three of these games today, and then a lot of just different conversations and topics from this last uh, three-game stretch, these uh, these four game or four days in general uh, that I want to dive into. We are going to discuss the importance of Iman Shumpert for this team. Uh, we're going to discuss Willie Cauley-Stein's recent regression and why fans who are getting on him and questioning his consistency again uh, need to slow their road. A little bit. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, the struggles of rebounding and free throw shooting, and which one really is worse and hurts this team more. It's going to be a lot of talking here today, a lot of analysis, a lot of conversation, which means I'm going to need you to be a part of it. No highlights today from the weekend's action because we just don't have enough time, not to mention there were three games and it would sound kind of jumbled and all over the place. So it's just going to be a lot of diving in and a lot of analysis. So you can be a part of it at any time on social media. On Twitter, at MattGeorgeKHDK, you can reach me there and many of you already have. We've been discussing this uh this three-game uh, stretch here and this 10-game stretch in general, which we're going to dive into in just a little bit. You can also email me, at saclocalmedia.com anytime. If you want to go more in-depth, the more private form where you're just not on social media. If you're on Facebook, you can find me there as well. Just look up Matt George. Uh, you should be able to to track me down. I'm also on Instagram as well, Matt George K-H-T-K there. So let's not waste any more time. Let's recap these three games that took place recently, and we'll start with the Kings' win in Utah, a very fun game against the Jazz. The Kings did what the Kings are supposed to do. They got out in transition. They put a lot of pressure on the Jazz from the get-go. It was another strong performance from Willie Cauley-Stein. Remember, he had the great game. Uh, against Rudy Gobert on opening night. He backed that up again uh, with a strong 23 points on 11-15 of shooting in 34 minutes. Also pulled down 7 rebounds. Had a couple of steals as well. Did foul out of the game. De'Aaron Fox was great as well. Plus 12 with him on the floor. 17 points, 13 assists for Foxy. Uh, All five starters. Reached double figures in scoring. It was a bit of a quiet night for Buddy Heald. He only had 10 on 4 of 12 shooting uh, from the field, but his teammates picked him up. Nemanja Bialica also got going as well. Hit 3 of 3 three-pointers for 18 points. Marvin Bagley provided 11 points and 6 rebounds off the bench. The Jazz really couldn't get much going. They did get 35 out of Donovan Mitchell, 13 out of Rubio, and 13 out of Gobert. uh, But they didn't have much really to uh to to look forward to in this game due to the fact that the Kings were getting out in transition the Kings were really playing their game jazz shot only 43% from the field kings shot 52% including 44% from three point range kings also did get to the line 19 times made 73% of their free throws and really where i was most pleased in this game uh was the rebounding differential typically the kings have been getting out rebounded by a pretty hefty margin the De- jazz did out rebound the kings but just by two in this game 54 to 52 they did get 12 offensive rebounds To the Kings 8, but the ball uh, movement was great for Sacramento, 27 assists. When they were forced into the half-court offense, they didn't look uh, too shabby. The uh, movement off the ball, player movement off the ball seemingly was on point. And then the Kings did get out in the fast break for 14 points as well. Had a great game in the paint, 58 points inside the paint. They really negated uh, the the. Anchor defense by Rudy Gobert. So the Kings win 119-110 to 110 in this game. Feeling pretty good. Have a uh, a day or two off. And then they take on the Golden State Warriors inside Oracle Arena in Oakland. This was a very winnable game because Steph Curry and Draymond Green not playing. The Kings had won both games last season in Oracle. Looking to make it three straight in the Bay Area, which would have been quite the accomplishment. A very fun game. Back in. And fourth, this game went down all the way to the wire. Ended up being decided by one point. And we're going to talk about rebounding and free throw shooting in just a little bit. But the the difference in this game, the reason why this the Kings lost this game, because they should have won this game. They were the better team for the majority of the night, despite the fact that Durant got 44 points on 26 shots. He got to the line 17 times, hit 16 free throws. But the difference in this game was the fact that the Kings could not control The rebounds, they could not crash the glass. When they would get stops, they just couldn't catch the rock. They could not secure defensive rebounds, giving... Far too many second and third chance opportunities to the Golden State Warriors, and I don't care if Curry's out and Draymond Green's out when Kevin Durant and Steph, or sorry, Clay Thompson are there and are playing. Really, anybody on this defending champion roster, the more opportunities you get, that give them, the higher the likelihood that they are going to convert. The Kings got the stop they needed down the stretch to win the game, and couldn't get the rebound. The ja- or the Warriors end up uh, hitting the game-winning bucket. And they win 117 to 116. So we'll talk about the rebounding woes here in just a little bit. So that was game one of another back-to-back for the Kings. That was Saturday night and then Sunday night. Last night, Kings returned home against the Utah Jazz. Jazz were uh, waiting in Sacramento for the Kings as they did not play on Saturday night. So they were rested. The Kings were not. And last night was very uninspiring. Kings got off to a great start. Scored the first seven points of the game. Looked like okay. Without Donovan Mitchell, they were gonna they were gonna really avenge uh, this this loss on Saturday night, this one point loss, and and come out and and step on the throats of a team that they had just beaten only days before, who are without their leading scorer. But Ricky Rubio, man, he came alive and he gave them the spark they they uh, they needed, especially in that first half. He's really the one that got them back into the game in the first quarter. Remember, Ricky Rubio. In Sacramento on opening night, had just one point, one point on 0 of 4 shooting. He was absolutely beaten uh, in in every sense by De'Aaron Fox. Finished with 27 points in this game, 23 if I'm not mistaken. Were in the first half, 16 were in the first quarter. He went two of three from three point range, 11. That's 16 for the game. Also had five assists and seven rebounds. He was everywhere. Rudy Gobert uh, pulled in 18 or managed 18 points along with 15 rebounds. Joe Ingles got a quiet 18 as well. And the Kings just looked uninspired. They shot 47% from the field, could never really uh, get into this game. And what I was most disappointed about, other than once again, the Kings getting killed uh, on the offensive glass, was the fact that this team looked like the the body language wasn't right. The, the fatigue was there, they looked tired, and I understand that. You played and you lost a very tough game, and it was a very quick turnaround. It was a a, a a game in Golden State Saturday night, and then an early start, 5 o'clock start on Sunday night. Now, the Kings don't look at that as an excuse. The players said as much uh, after the game, but they were, they were a bit tired, and quite frankly, they, they got caught napping by a, a, a Utah Jazz team that was trying to uh, do everything they can, and players stepped up uh, with Donovan Mitchell being out, they also were a little bit more rested and frustrated that they dropped that game at home to Sacramento just a couple days ago. So the Jazz were a better team, and they did what they had to do. They got the Kings out of transition. The Kings only had three fast break points at halftime, and the uh, the assist-to-turnover ratio wasn't good. The, the Kings not doing a good job uh, taking care of the basketball like they normally do uh, in this one rebounding was just a, a tragedy and and really the Kings had one chance in the third quarter to get back into the game they kept it close for the majority of the game we're, we're around uh, seven to nine points for for much of that third quarter went on a 60 run cut the lead the jazz lead down to six the jazz lead was 12 go on a 60 run cut it down to six get out in transition Harry Giles gets a good look at a wing three. If he hits that three, it's a three-point game, and finally the, the fan base comes alive a little bit and gets loud a little bit because it was relatively quiet in the Golden 1 Center because the Kings didn't do much to, to string together offense or defensive stops uh, to get the crowd involved. Harry Giles' three goes Three-fourths of the way down and somehow pops out. It was brutal to watch. You know Harry Giles and every single fan in that building wanted that to drop, and had it have dropped, maybe it would have been a different result. But after that 6-0 run, Utah comes back with an 8-0 run of their own, completely kills momentum, stops everything dead in its tracks. And from that point on, it looked like the Kings really folded. With seven minutes left in the game, around six minutes left in the game, actually, Ben McLemore and the rest of the Kings bench came into the game, so Dave Yeager folded a little bit earlier than I would have liked. De'Aaron Fox, even though he's playing a long season on the second night of a back-to-back, didn't play at all in the fourth quarter, which was disappointing to me because I don't think Fox, even though he's your star and he's your leader, uh, he hasn't, in my opinion, earned the right yet to be able to sit out the remainder of a game during a uh, during a blowout or uh, during a clear loss. I would have liked to see Fox in there more trying to light a spark. It was a rough game for Willie Cauley-Stein. Bogdan Bogdanovich managed 20 points, but Willie Cauley-Stein had uh, another tough task or another tough performance after uh, struggling in, Oak- or, uh, in Oakland, yeah. Six points on two of six shooting from the field. He was just outmatched by Rudy Gobert. Three games the Kings have played the Utah Jazz and Willie Cauley Stein's got the best of Gobert two out of three times. I'd say that's pretty good, but some fans were frustrated with Willie. We'll talk about that and more here in just a second. So let's talk first and foremost about this ten-game stretch that has come to an end. Remember, we started this stretch and it began with the Kings returning home after a very successful road trip, and they took on. The Toronto Raptors, they end up losing that game. And we were looking at this 10 game stretch, which is Toronto, Minnesota, Los Angeles, San Antonio, Memphis, Houston, OKC, Utah, Golden State and Utah. You're looking at that 10 game stretch and thinking, oh, my Lord, that's going to be a very tough task uh, for this Kings team, despite the fact that they were over 500 and off to a good start. And I put out there for Kings fans, would you be okay and happy with four and six. If the Kings came out of this 10-game stretch still at 500, heading into a very uh, seemingly favorable schedule in the early parts of December. Fans told me on social media that they'd be thrilled by that. Many of you who listen to the Locked On Kings podcast told me they would have been happy with the Kings being 500 through this stretch. Well, the Kings had a very good chance of being over 500 had they have won either the game in Golden State or the game last night. Against the Utah Jazz, unfortunately, they're not able to do it, but they do still go 5-6 and six through this stretch. They never lose or have not lost more than two games consecutively at all this season. Their longest win streak was 5 early on. So the Kings did, in my opinion, what they needed to do and what fans wanted them to do through this 10-game stretch. Now, the most two recent losses have left fans with a sour taste in their mouth. And I understand that completely. I understand the what have you done for me lately mentality from Sacramento Kings fans and from NBA fans in general and sports fans in general, because that's the kind of society that we live in right now. And that's going to be an important theme over the next couple of things that we talk about. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to talk about rebounding versus free throws. I threw this question out there after the loss to the Golden State Warriors because I personally am extremely frustrated by a, a team that's bad defensively that gets stops but can't control the board. Rebounding is effort. You'll hear everybody on the planet who has played basketball before, who coaches basketball, who or knows anything about the game of basketball say that rebounding 9 out of 10 times is all about effort. The other one is boxing out and putting yourself in the right position reading the ball off the rim. But 9 out of 10 times, it's all about effort and going after it. We see that a lot with Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley's been the Kings' best rebounder over the past couple of days. Why? Because he relentlessly go out, goes after it, and that's what you want to see out of a young athletic big man. Willie Cauley-Stein recently has struggled with that, and I know that's been a frustration. Again, we're going to talk about Willie Cauley-Stein here in just a little bit. But the Kings have also struggled with free throw shooting all of this season. Now, it's gotten a little bit better as of late, but for the majority of the season, they've been a below-average bad free-throw shooting team. So I threw this question out there on social media. If you already answered it there, I apologize, but I wanted to get those who just listened to the podcast their take on it. What is more frustrating to you if the Kings lose because of free-throw shooting? So uh, I'm using the context of the, the, uh, the Golden State game, right? Kings lose by one point. That means if they had hit one more free-throw, they would have tied the game, or the game would have been tied. Or if they had made two more free-throws, they would have won the game. Now, context different things change as the game goes on you can't predict that everything comes out but when it's a one- point loss you really uh you really look at each missed point because it matters so the free throw uh, free throw line you make one more free throw you you tie that game in 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 Oakland or you win that game with two more free throws versus rebounding you got the defensive stop you got the stop you needed with the lead late on the road against the defending champions And still, you couldn't control the rebound. You gave them another opportunity at it. Lo and behold, they cashed in. They won the game. Which is more frustrating? To me, it's rebounding every time for two reasons. One, because of the effort part of it. Rebounding is effort. In a close game, you expect maximum effort from your bigs and from everybody. It's not just about the big men. I want my guards crashing the boards as well, especially... In a game-winner scenario on the road. But number two is, and it's like I said earlier, when you are a bad defensive team, and the Kings are a bad defensive team. Now, there aren't too many good defensive teams in the league anymore with how the NBA's play, played, with the rule changes, the foul changes, player movement, the shot clock. Being a good defensive team is difficult in the NBA today. But the Kings are a bad defensive team. When you do get stops, you have to capitalize on them, especially with how this team plays offensively. They get out in transition. They push the tempo. This Kings team runs. But you can't start in transition without securing the board. And time and time again this season, and I've said it all through to this point, that the Kings getting killed on the offensive glass was going to sooner or later come back to bite him in the ass. No rhyme or rhyming unintentionally there. And it did. The Warriors game was where it reared its ugly head the most. So to me, rebounding and not being able to secure that rebound is 10 times more frustrating than free throws because free throws look easy, they're routine, and yes, players should practice them and do practice them every single day. You're not being guarded. It's free points. But in high-pressure situations, those shots are not easy to make. Free throws are not easy. They're not easy. You expect pros to make them a higher percentage of the time, and it's frustrating when they don't, but they're not easy. Neither is playing defense, especially for this team. And when they do get that defensive stop but can't control the board and give teams second and third chances at it, that's just brutal to me. Inexcusable for the Kings to do that, and that's why they lost the game against the Golden State Warriors. Now I want to transition to Willie Cauley-Stein. Colley Stein against the Warriors, not the best game for him. Struggled, really got in a lot of foul trouble, didn't get consistent minutes on the floor. Some of the fouls called against him were correct, others were wishy washy, as you get every single night with NBA officiating in basketball. And Willie Colley Stein once again had a, a bad night on the boards last night. He was really outplayed by Rudy Gobert. Now, again, I go back to this what have you done? for me lately, mentality in professional sports. And I'm not condemning any Kings fans for having this mentality. I just ask that you recognize that it exists and that you are taking part in it. And that's okay. That's fine. Everybody does it. You're not, I'm not putting you on an island. I do the same thing as well. Everybody does. I mean, we do it even more so in my profession because we react to sports. We talk about it. We host podcasts. We host radio shows. We write about it. We react and, have, and take part in this, what I consider a fallacy, more than everybody else. So you're not alone. You're not on an island. I'm not singling anybody out who, who takes part in this what have you done for me lately mentality. I mean, that's society in 2018 in general. But Willie Cauley-Stein this season has been significantly better and good than he has been bad. That's not arguable. You look at all of his numbers of what he, uh, how he started the season, and if you want to talk about specific games, well, yes, he got outplayed by the Utah Jazz. But like I said earlier, he outplayed Rudy Gobert two out of three games. That's fantastic to me. He's had a tough five-game stretch. He had one good game, which was the, the win at Utah over these last five. But he did have 11 great games out of his first 12. But because those were weeks ago, we're not talking about that anymore, right? We're talking about the recent stretch that he's in. Now, I understand the biggest gripe against Willie Cauley-Stein's game is his inconsistency. And the especially the inconsistency with stuff you expect an athletic big man to do, which in particular is rebounding and blocking shots. Willie Cauley-Stein is inconsistent with that. Offensively, I think he's above average. Significantly above average, in my opinion. A lot better than what people thought. Uh, he would do offensively coming out of Kentucky. But Willie Colley-Stein this season is experiencing top-to-bottom improvement. His field goal percentage is up from 50 to 52, including up 2% also at the rim, from 67% to 69%. His rebounds are up from 7 to 8.1. His offensive rebounds are up from 1.8 to 2.2. His scoring is up from 12.8 points per game to 14.5, and his turnovers are down slightly as well. Now, I know it's just 20 games versus a 82-game season. Now, I'm not sure how many games he played last year out of those 82. He played 73. Yes, he played 73 games last season. And I get 20 games is, is a small sample size compared to 73. But if you're questioning consistency, you have to look at, okay, what has he done consistently this season? Consistently this season, Willie Cauley Stein has been a good player. He has, and I forgot to mention all those numbers that he's improved on is in the same amount of minutes per game—28 minutes, same as last year. So he's not playing. It's not like he's playing more minutes or less minutes. He's playing the exact same, and his improvement is across the board. Consistently this year, Willie Cauley Stein has been good. I understand the concern of fans that it is a contract year for him. But I'm telling you, you need to put that out of mind. Because while that's important to Willie Cauley-Stein and his salary is important, no matter what his numbers are, market value is going to dictate what he goes for. Because Willie Cauley-Stein could have a bad season this year for the Kings, finish and struggle through the remainder of this season. The Kings decide, you know what, we're not going to bring him back. There's another team out there that's going to look at an athletic big man that had a down year in Sacramento and say, you know what, I can help him on my squad. He'll be good on my squad if he does this and this specifically, and that's it. On the Kings, he was trying to do too much. The Kings needed him to be a scorer, a rebounder, a shot blocker, uh, running the floor, alley-oop finisher. Not here. Here I'm just going to have him focus on A, B, and C, and he's going to be a part of a key team, like what Clint Capella does in Houston. Market value dictates what players are going to go for, and Kings fans and fans in general should not worry about that. Willie Cauley-Stein's going to get paid no matter what. Now, I don't think he's going to be worth a max deal, and I don't think the Kings should or will offer him the max. He's just not that type of player. Even if he's playing at his peak, he's not that type of player, in my opinion. I love Willie Cauley-Stein, though. He's just not that type of player to me. I wouldn't spend max money on him, and I don't think other teams will as well. I think we'll see that as soon as we get to free agency. But again, if you're looking at consistently specifically and you're taking away the narrative of his past seasons and the fact that he's on a contract year, you have to be pleased with what he's doing. He's been consistently better. And oh yeah, the Kings are winning games. 11 of his first 12 games, he played fantastic. Kings came out of those 12 games over 500. It's not a coincidence. Really Cauley-Stein is a good player. And he's very important to this team. I know Kings fans see what Marvin Bagley is doing lately. Now, Marvin Bagley has played better than Willie Cauley-Stein over these last five games, which is good. He's also seen increased minutes, which is what you want. However, anybody suggesting that Marvin Bagley should be taking Willie Cauley-Stein's minutes and should be the starting five right now and the Kings should move on from Willie Cauley-Stein because Marvin Bagley is clearly the future at the center position, you're jumping the gun. You're falling right into the fallacy of, what have you done for me lately? Willie Cauley-Stein has been better than Marvin Bagley all this season, guys. Hate to burst your bubble. And I love Marvin Bagley. I've defended Marvin Bagley's pick from day one. And I think he's going to be a great player. I think he should be and will be better than Willie Cauley-Stein eventually. But he's not right now. So don't act like he is. Now, another player that's extremely important to this Kings team, and we saw it last night. And I was dead wrong about Iman Shumpert. I really was. I saw him coming in, and I thought, okay, maybe he'll get some minutes here or there. He'll be a good leader in the locker room and on the bench. Teach these guys how to play defense in practice, but that's about it. Iman Shumpert has been brilliant this season for the Kings. Brilliant. Defensively, he's not locked down, but he's the guy that if the Kings need to put or guard somebody or lock somebody down or at least make it difficult on them, Iman Shumpert's their guy. Now, again, he's not a lockdown defender, but he makes life difficult. Offensively, though, I've been extremely impressed with what Iman has been doing, especially the fact that he's coming off of that serious injury. His scoring for his career is 7.4 points per game. He's up to 9.9 this season. He's shooting 43% from the field, 40% from three-point range. He's a 34% career three-point shooter. He's shooting 40% this season, also 88% from the free-throw line. Iman Schumbert has been providing a lot of scoring for this team. Now, he didn't play yesterday because of rest Second night of a back-to-back for a veteran. I'm okay with that. I understand that completely. We got to see Bogdan Bogdanovich in the starting lineup, which a lot of fans were happy about, myself included. However, we saw a drop-off with scoring in the second unit because Bogdan Bogdanovich was not really playing with that second unit. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And even though we saw Bogey starting at the three spot and eventually, well, down the stretch, you want to see Bogey in the game at the three spot with Heald and Fox. I don't think anybody has any problem with that. But Iman Shumpert has been providing quality minutes on a nightly basis. His shot selection makes me cringe, just like just like everybody, and I understand that. But Iman Shumpert has been providing quality minutes and has been crucial for this team. And the Kings needed to string together defensive stops to get back into a game or into the game yesterday, and they couldn't. And Iman certainly could have helped with that. Without Donovan Mitchell on the floor, the go-to scorer really for them was Ricky Rubio. You mean to tell me that they couldn't have switched Iman Shumpert on Ricky Rubio last night and Iman would have made life a little bit more difficult, at least help the Kings get a few more stops to get out and transition to get back into that game? Kings need Iman Shumpert, and I want him to stay, and I think he should stay in the starting lineup. Nothing serious. Again, they rested him on the second night of a uh, back-to-back. He should be good to go and will be good to go against the Clippers on Thursday, unless there's another injury that we just haven't heard about yet. But I've been very pleased with Iman Shumpert. Very pleased. I think Kings fans should be too. So your Sacramento Kings have made it through that brutal 10-game stretch. They go 4-6 and six over it. They're 10-10 on the season, heading into the end of November and the beginning of December. I think if I had told any of you that at the end of last summer, everybody would have been above the moon thrilled. But there is that frustration today because of the last two losses. I understand that. Kings got a tough competition, tough contest here on Thursday as they will host the Los Angeles Clippers. The LA Clippers have been red hot towards the top of the Western Conference, and I was dead wrong about the Clippers, so far at least. I've been dead wrong about them, and I'll happily admit it. Lou Williams is playing out of his mind. Danilo Gallinari is healthy and is playing well. Tobias Harris is playing fantastic also. The LA Clippers are playing well with Doc Rivers, or for Doc Rivers. So the Kings are taking on the LA Clippers on Thursday night, an NBA-on-TNT national game. 7.30 7:30 start in Sacramento. So be sure to keep an eye on that one. But after that the schedule gets pretty favorable. You have the Indiana Pacers at home on Saturday the 1st of December. And then look at this road trip that they go on. A four-game road trip where I could easily see the Kings, well I shouldn't say easily. I could see the Kings going 3 and 4, but are 3 and 1, excuse me, but they realistically could go 4 and 0. We'll have to see how good the Pacers do against the Kings on December 1st. But they go on this four-game road trip at Phoenix. Phoenix is god-awful this season. If the Kings don't beat the Phoenix Suns, everybody can be mad and disappointed. Then you have at the Cleveland Cavaliers, same boat. Kings should beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it's after two days rest. You should smack the Cleveland Cavaliers. Then you have the Indiana Pacers the very next night. So second night of a back-to-back Indiana. That might be a tough game. That's probably a loss. And then you have Monday, December 10th, Chicago, then you return home for Minnesota and Golden State. You should win that Minnesota game because you've beaten them already. You've beaten them before. Then you have Dallas, Minnesota again, Oklahoma City. A lot of teams in December that the Kings have already beaten and played against successfully. The month of December, I expect big things from this Kings team, especially early on. I'm looking at that four game road trip and I'm thinking three and one right back over 500. If the Kings can get To January 1st, their January 1st New Year's Day game against the Portland Trailblazers and at 500 and above, then we can start talking, can this team somehow find a way to sneak into the 8th seed? Until then, it's cool to see them in the playoff picture along with about 30,000 other teams in the Western Conference. It's cool to see them there, but we're not talking about that. But if the Kings can get through December, start January, be at 500 or above, and I realistically think they can with this schedule, we're talking really good stuff. Really good stuff. And potentially this team might shock the world and end that playoff drought. But we'll have to wait and see a whole month of basketball before that. But I expect the Kings to get off to a great start here at the start of December. As well as the Clippers are playing on Thursday, I expect the Kings to bounce back after three days off and be competitive. Based off of the fact that they beat San Antonio in Sacramento, I know the Clippers are playing better than San Antonio, but I think the Kings should be in a position to win this game against the Clippers. And if they do that, then they have in Indiana on December 1st, another very winnable game, even though Indiana is a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. Bring some momentum on that road trip. Kings could be right back where they were, one, two, three games over 500. Good opportunity in December for this team to be successful. That's going to do it today for another episode of Locked on Kings. I know a lot of talking today. We covered a lot of topics, so I think uh, I appreciate everybody who stayed the course and stuck with me through the entire thing. Anything you want to respond to, anything at all, that we got to or didn't get to in this podcast, you can do so on social media at MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter. You can also email me, mgeorgeatsacklocalmedia.com. We have the fans-only podcast coming very, very soon here. I'm working on recording and production for that As We Speak. So that'll be coming very, very shortly. You can definitely look forward to that. If you have a second to go onto iTunes or wherever you listen to this uh, Locked on Kings podcast and leave a review if you're able to do so, that helps us out a ton. Also, word of mouth is fantastic as well. If you have Kings fans that you are, maybe their family, maybe they're friends, tell them, hey, check out this cool podcast. is a bit of a goon, but you'll learn some stuff. You'll enjoy it. Helps us out a lot as well. Our numbers are up across the board here on the Locked on Podcast Network and the Locked on Kings podcast through this month I'm so thankful for that and that's because of each and every single one of you and I love what I do and I love interacting with each and every single one of you on a daily basis truly I'm humbled by everybody who listens to this podcast and listens to me and responds to me and meets me or wants to meet me out at Kings Games I, I, I do not take it for granted so thank you so much that'll do it for today we'll come back tomorrow working on getting some guests for you also this week so a lot to talk about we're approaching episode number 500 can you believe it 500 episodes here of the Locked on Kings podcast. And if you've been there since day one with Jason Ross, or if you're new, you're just as important. So thank you to everybody who has listened. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day.